0: Get up. Get, get
1: up. Get up. What is up Mets fans, welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets, episode number 148, and you know what, I'm going to say it's the first official episode of the offseason, you guys have been waiting since we got knocked out in the playoffs for us to talk about the offseason, and you are getting it. Today, we're talking about free agents. We're talking about guys that the Mets maybe have to re-sign. Maybe they don't re-sign. Maybe guys that they go after. We're covering the entire off-season today. In one of the episodes that's going to happen, I mean, we're going to be talking about the off season for a long time. You're going to be hearing a lot of the names that we say, but today's going to be the first of that. So, hope you guys are excited. We're excited to talk about it. The 2023 season. Has officially started as of today you guys know the drill if you like what you're seeing and listening and hearing over here make sure you guys follow us on all our social media at metstup m-e-t-s-d-u-p on twitter instagram and tiktok shout out to producer Vito; he's been hooking us up with some killer reels some killer content over there make sure you're following us if you're looking for the youtube version of everything go to the new york mets youtube channel subscribe over there you'll be able to watch us and if you're listening apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, odyssey Drop us a rating. Drop us a review. Haven't seen reviews re- lately. Give us a review. We really do appreciate it. Without further ado, James. How are we feeling, James?
0: I'm feeling good. We just had a nice pre-show meeting with the whole team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Some contracts have been doled out, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, we're, I, we're looking forward to some more.
1: Let's just let's start off with the one that I think everyone has been wanting to hear about, and we've been wanting to talk about for a while, which is going to be Edwin Diaz, the trumpets. Can you play those trumpets for us, dude? He's back. Edwin Diaz is back. I love it. Yes, and this was something that
0: came out like in such hilarious fashion. First move of the off season, like during Sunday Night Football, basically. So completely outside of like the national periphery yet twitter was ablaze at that moment with everyone talking about Edwin Diaz because it was a combination of Mets fans being really happy he came back and then the grumpy Mets fans being like oh we gave him too many years and too much money and then people from the outside being like omg Mets fail you gave the biggest reliever contract ever so it was like it's hilarious that a contract that happened during an NFL football game could have that large of like repercussions
1: around the internet but it did because that's the Mets Yeah, no, like you said, it is a record-breaking deal. It's the largest contract ever given to a relief pitcher. And, I mean, Edwin Diaz kind of deserves it based off of the last few years he's had with the Mets. He's been the best reliever in baseball. I think we can say that now, right?
0: Edwin's basically been the best reliever in baseball since he came up in 2000. Like, since he got good in, like, 2017, 2018, the only thing that ever stopped Edwin Diaz was the baseball in 2019 with yeah that was it my- if not for him having like a 28 percent home run to fly ball rate that year which is that is the number of fly balls by the number of home runs you give out the league average usually 11 or 12 edwin has sat around 15 16 17 his entire career percent that year was 28 unsustainable number <laughs> didn't make any sense we all said didn't make any sense no one could figure out why we learned why afterwards and you peel that back and you look at a guy like Edwin Diaz, who's had basically the best strikeout rate in all of baseball since he came up. He has the most F4 of any reliever since he first came up. The second best K minus walk rate. The third highest fastball velocity. He's one of the best relievers this generation. And now he's going to be with the Mets for a long
1: time. No, I'm really excited. I mean, the trumpets are electric. Edwin Diaz is electric. And it is nice, especially for an organization that I feel like statistically has had to- a hard time maybe finding a, a closure that can be lights out for an extended period of time. It's nice that Edwin Diaz, we know for the next five years, We'll be pitching in Queens every single day for the Mets. I'm 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 really excited and gotta remember I was a doubter at first of Edwin and he complete he's completely three six three six one eightyed me one eighty.
0: <laughs> you weren't a doubter; you were a hater.
1: Well, I I mean, listen, I there was times where I couldn't watch him pitch. I was terrified. I would I'd get upset, but like baseball. you said, since 2019, uh, since they screwed him with that baseball, he has been lights out. Lights out. So really happy Edwin's back in New York. And again, like I think the Mets are in a, not just the Mets, just teams in general are in a spot where you can get so creative with how you look at bullpens and how you look at relievers where yes, it is a lot of money to give Edwin Diaz. It is a record breaking deal, but you have the opportunity to go get so many guys available on the free agent market or through trades, whatever it be that are super undervalued. Cause I feel like that's kind of what the rest of a bullpen looks like is undervalued pieces.
0: Definitely. And also, it's, it's worth comparing this contract to other contracts that some relievers have gotten over the last mm-hmm. few years, like these high-priced relievers that made it to free agency. There's one creator who I don't particularly care for, who I'm not going to mention, who released a contract that was signed by a pre-arbitration player and compare it to the amount of money Edwin Diaz makes. That's just like poor analysis, so yeah. we have to keep track of stuff like that. But you want to look at guys like Liam Hendricks and Ryan Presley who reached free agency. As elite relievers at a similar age to Diaz, each were actually a little bit older. Edwin's just turning twenty nine this year. Liam Hendricks signed a three year, fifty four million dollar contract with the White Sox with a club option that ran is going to run from ages thirty two to thirty four. Ryan Presley signed a, I think it was four fifty four with something the Astros, something along the lines, something like I, that. I, but I, I, I don't
1: know off the top of my head.
0: I'm on his spot track right now. I think there was like a contract with an extension because he has a vesting option. Yeah, his vesting option twenty twenty five. So. It was $10 million this year at age 33. Next year, that kicks up to $14 million at age 34. $14 million the year after that and a vesting option if he makes 50 appearances the year after that. Okay. So these guys are making a little bit less than Diaz, admittedly, between like 14 and $15 million. Edwin Diaz also pitched better than them and is significantly younger. And Edwin Diaz's contract is ending basically earlier or at the same spot than the point of either of these guys when they signed it. Ryan Presley signed that deal at 33 years old. Edwin Diaz, this contract will end at 33 years old. <laughs> so, crazy. I mean, comparatively speaking, those $6 million a year are meaningful when we talk about the reliever, especially when the most expensive one makes $20 million a year in Edwin Diaz. But this contract really isn't as insane as people have instructed. It is interesting, though, that if you look at these two contracts already given out, two biggest reliever contracts in the game, one is Hendricks and the White Sox arguably the dumbest organization the entire show (laughs) and the other one is the astros the world series champions which we could talk about briefly in a little bit i guess who are probably the smartest organization the whole show so there's really no way there's like no one way to slice this and it's just you have to look at the player in the team context specifically in the mets need the closer and have plenty of money so it works
1: yeah and uh not my money not Not my my money. money i don't care that's how uncle steve wants to spend his money Fine by me. Fine by me. I will. You won't catch me complaining from the Mets spending too much money ever. That's that's never gonna be a complaint of mine. For sure. And again, we'll reiterate: if not
0: for the 2019 baseball, we'd all be looking at Edwin Diaz as like a generational type of player.
1: As a, as a guy who's on pace to be like one of the greatest closers of all time. Because because
0: he still is anyway. The only yeah. guy he trails in strikeout uh, strikeout rate and K minus walk rate since 2016 are Josh Hader. Is Josh Hader? Yeah. Bad bad yeah. use of uh, the Ooh, words. That was
1: bad from you. It's just shockingly bad, bad
0: grammar. I got, I got my light stuck in my eyes for a second. It kind of kind of bewildered me. But Edwin's amazing, and now he's just locked up for the rest of his entire prime, which is great.
1: 100%. And you did bring up the Astros. I think we should probably just quickly touch on the fact that the Phillies lost the World Series. Uh, that's what I'm calling it. They lost it. Uh, I'm not going to even say, necessarily say the Astros won, even though they, they very much did. The Astros nope. actually, if anything, beat the Phillies.
0: No, the Phillies did something incredible this World Series. They were the first, the first team since the 1960s to be no-hit yeah or 1950s no, that was, yeah that was, definitely that was really nice. cool
1: that was really awesome uh, astros we were, also
0: became the second team this year to no hit the phillies joining the mets
1: we were at uh, a bar in Greenpoint, point kegan lantern uh, great great chicken fingers but before we divulge into what was going on during the game we went to this bar because we wanted to sit outside and watch the look
0: <laughs> like how you're telling this you just jump right into the story we went from baseball yeah.
1: talk to like life talk yeah no we we went there to go watch the World Series outside. It was a beautiful day on what Saturday, right? It was yeah, gorgeous. Saturday. Gorgeous day. You gotta sit outside. You don't know how many these days are left, you know, with a New York winter coming up. We go outside and they got a lot of TVs. And as you can imagine, there's some college football. And understandable Alabama LSU, big game. What was the other game that was on TV?
0: Alabama LSU was on late, Texas, K-State, which is big for the real, the real football heads. There was Michigan, oh, another name Clemson, Michigan yeah. Rutgers. There
1: were plenty of games on that people would care about. But there was one game. That was on the TV for one table in specific and honestly at that table one guy in in particular and that was regular season hockey between the Washington capitals and I believe they're now called the Arizona coyotes oh, I don't no longer Phoenix, Phoenix I don't think Phoenix wants to associate with them I think they're just the Arizona coyotes the whole state regular season hockey and when we asked the the waitress bartender whatever she was if we could change the game she's like sorry he requested it you guys can go inside and watch the World Series twitch understandable but at the same time regular season hockey between the capitals and coyotes are you kidding me
0: combined record so far this season of 10 and 12 between those two juggernauts
1: you went and got the record that's pretty good yeah I, I think Ovi was possibly breaking a record. That's what people were trying to tell me on Twitter, but I also don't care because it's regular season hockey. Not it's not really just regular season hockey.
0: It's November hockey.
1: November hockey, <laughs> yeah.
0: The it's... only thing less important than regular season hockey is November and October <laughs> hockey. It is. It's crazy. And the fact that there was so much football and the World Series on that night. Not even just like, if it was game two of the World Series, like maybe. This is an elimination game. There was a champion being crowned, thank God. And the fact that this guy was like so stubborn, just sitting there with a group of people. Eventually they all left. He's just sitting yeah. there in a
1: Capitals hat just
0: locked in on the screen.
1: Made a made a hate bet. I bet the coyotes live and uh, the coyotes scored in the last thirty seconds. So they scored three
0: unanswered goals in the third period to win. <laughs> it's
1: fantastic. That was a good win for Mark. Paid for the Uber home that night. Was really happy with that. But I just had to let you guys know because me and James, we talked about this for a good like two hours on Saturday. It was like up it was pretty much what we talked about until Jose Alvarado, that rat, gave up a four hundred and fifty nuke bomb tank to Jordan Alvarez, which was just icing on the cake.
0: Just couldn't happen to a better guy, you know. That's it.
1: I just it was it was
0: also very nice to watch the Astros win the World Series. Like it was a satisfying end to the season because they were the best team in baseball from wire to wire. Like no one was better than them, and that was it. They finished the the
1: job finally. Does it make you feel better as a Mets fan that the clear best team in baseball won it? it, Hundred percent. It at least clears from your mind, right? Like if the Phillies won the World Series, all we're gonna think about is man, this was our year. We could have easily won this thing. This is a team that we beat 14 times this year. But with the Astros, at least we didn't beat them once this year. And we knew that this was the best team or second best team in baseball. So there's not really a question of, oh, we would have beat them. It would have been like, well, we probably had to get really
0: hot. I mean, that was my thought. After the 2019 season ended, after the Astros choked against the Nationals, an inferior Nationals team won the World Series because they got hot at the right time. A team that was during the year absolutely no, in no way, shape, or form better than the Mets really at any point.
1: Bad. Worse than the Phillies were even at any point during this season, without a doubt. But they Ooh, got
0: they, they, they even got hotter at the end than the Phillies ever got. But that yeah. was just that unsatisfying feeling. Same with the Braves last year, where it's like this team isn't even good and they just won the World Series. Like it's like it leaves this awful, like crappy feeling in your in your mouth. But at least this year, the team, the most deserving team, won in terms of all the stuff that people were spewing about the playoff format yeah. and about the games and the series. The Astros won and won the World Series, lost what two games total?
1: Yeah. That, I, so I, like
0: I the Dodgers so. and the Braves were crying and all this stuff, <laughs> and it's just that's it. The best team still won.
1: Best team still won, and that will be the end of our World Series talk. I don't want to talk about it anymore because no, uh, the enough. season's we're over. It we're, it's 2023 now. It's 2023, and with that comes the the Mets offseason moves. First one, like we mentioned, Edwin Diaz, but how about a little sneaky one? The guy that they uh, hired from Driveline, right? What was his yeah. name?
0: Eric Yeagers. I feel like I thought, I thought we were going to talk about this in the end, but you want to talk about it now?
1: Just quickly, briefly, I think, because right. I think it's worth noting.
0: Yeah, I, this Mets fans should be incredibly excited about this move. Eric Yeagers is one of the most absolute trusted people in all pitching development across the country. He was a college pitcher at Iowa not that long ago because he's not a very old guy. He actually developed the racing outlet syndrome, though, while he was oh, down there. Okay. Yeah, so he – and then he ended up just – go when he was trying to rehab and get himself good, he went to driveline. He really took to the training so much. Eventually, he became a coach after his playing days were over. He kind of became like almost like Kyle Boddy, who like was the innovator of drive lines, like somewhat protege, like almost like his like like right hand man. Ooh, good word. There you go. He spent five years of drive line, and then he went to the Phillies as a pitching strategist, but not even for a year, just for the 2019 season. And then he went from there. When Boddy jumped and went to the Reds, he went with him, and he was the assistant pitching coordinator to Boddy, who was the head pitching coordinator for the entire Reds organization from 2019 to 2020, and then from the, he became the assistant pitching coach with the Major League staff in 2020 through this past season, 2022. So, Bodhi, I'm sure, Bodhi and Yeagers together had a lot to do with development of some of the Reds' prospects, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, named the most notable ones. And then that Major League rotation for the last few years was also just very good. 2020 season, the Cincinnati Reds had every opportunity to win a a World Series, realistically, if their offense would have stepped up. And then they they held water 2021. This year, they tore the whole thing down. But you could see that there was some major pitching achievements made by the end of it
1: didn't you uh you sent me right the picture that kyle body was given at a uh at like a, yeah. a lecture or whatever no it was yeah.
0: that it was at first pitch arizona which is like a national it's more like a, it's like a fantasy and like a data baseball and data convention that goes on around the all-star game for the arizona fall league every year i was getting sent pictures from some of my friends that were there some some baseball folks shout out nick pollock and uh scott gilroy some some og nerds out there and um it was it was sad not to go. I really wish I you know still didn't have a job like like the good old <laughs> days. But <laughs> Kyle Boddy was giving a presentation on like integrating technology into pitching development, and he had like stats about the Reds, <laughs> the Reds minor league ranks before he got there, then while he was there <laughs> as like his proof of how good he was. He's right because he's great, and now we got the we got the number two men there, and he's gonna. You know what? he's probably going to overhaul the entire Mets' pitching development. He's going to have a hand in the players that we scout and we draft. He's going to he's going to be instrumental in the way we develop pitching right now. And I'm incredibly excited to have him as a part of this organization.
1: Yeah, it's uh, one of those moves that I don't know if you'll find many podcasts who will get excited about it like we do. We well, all we love we love the info. We love the the new minds coming in, and a guy like Eric Yeager is coming from Driveline in the Reds. Very, very excited. Very and
0: excited. Something else is very important is a lot of people, Trent Rosecrans Eno Ceres, specifically Trent Rosecrans, Red's beat writer from the athletic, you know Saras, baseball writer for the athletic, just on the cutting edge of pitching development. They've said that while Jaegers is very smart, he's very intelligent, he knows how to develop, people rave about his communication ability. And the fact that he has that, same with Jeremy Hefner, we've heard people say about that, same with Eric Chavez, as the Mets integrate more and more data into this organization, you have to be able to get that to players in a concise and creative way. And the fact that many people have said he's someone who can't do it gives me tons of confidence.
1: I mean, think about the interviews that we had with Trevor May and all the pitchers this year. One of the things they mentioned that they loved about Hefner the most is his ability to communicate with them and tell them what they need to hear. And I I think that's super important. And it just shows that the Mets are all taking signs and steps in the right direction here.
0: Here's one more quote I want to give from Kyle Body about Jaegers, about how just he is with players and stuff. It's not just the technical side of it. He, Jaegers, is the best at, at the actual information delivering it to players. That's without question what he's best at. Is he the best nerd in the world? Probably not. Is he the best coach in the world? Probably not. Is he the best meld of both of them when it comes to pitch design? I don't think there's any question. Love that. Love yes. that. Yes. So that's the that's guy who trained this person saying that he is better at something than anybody else he's ever seen.
1: That's amazing. Love to hear that. Love mm-hmm. to hear that. And... That kind of leads us now into the moves that could be made this offseason because there's, there's a lot going on, especially with guys that the Mets had on the roster last year in 2022 that may or may not be on the roster moving forward. The Mets have 11 free agents this year. That is the most of any team in baseball. A lot of big names here, James.
0: Yeah, that 11 free agents number was pulled per Mike Mayer, who is like, a, he's probably one of the most trusted guys in terms of breaking news stuff on Mets Twitter. It's also like not. Like, you know, he's not, not official. So, like, we yeah. can't take his bond. And, like, I don't think anything kind of instructs that more than, like, that list of 11 names. But here are the Mets free agents. You guys can count along with me Jacob DeGrom, Brandon Nimmo, Edwin Diaz, Chris Bassett, Tywon Walker, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor May, Seth Lugo, Adam Onivino, Trevor Williams, Tommy Hunter. That and was, yeah, I and then there was also. Two more. Yes, well, but those are the guys who were on the team the whole year. Cause I said that because, like, that number is 10, who I just gave. Those are guys on the team the whole year. Then Michael Givens, Tyler Naquin. So that right. makes it 12. So and I don't I know guess, if it's 10
1: or 12. I, I, I couldn't I find how we got 11, which is kind of funny. Probably was the Diaz thing. Probably just counted out Diaz. Oh, yeah. Probably like, after he got rid. Re- yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's a good point. Yeah. But no matter what, that's a crap ton of guys who you have as free agents in your team. The only, that's the most free agents in all baseball. I don't remember if you just said that, but Dodgers, Yankees next. Yep. That Those guys I just named combined for over 20 F-War this past wow. season. And if you could really glean from what I'm saying, they're basically all pitchers. Actually, they are all pitchers, not basically, except for Brandon Nimmo. And That's Tottenham, 900 right? innings, 900 major league innings that the Mets are losing. Not That's losing, but just don't have right now in terms of this free agent list. That's a lot. That's a lot you got to build
1: back. No, 100%. And I mean, I think there's going to be guys that come back. Obviously, it's a, no idea whether or not they're going to be able to bring everybody back, whatever it is. But this, I mean, the group of guys that the Mets have that are leaving, along with the free agent class, I just feel like, this free agent market in general feels a little bit robust on the pitching side. Would you say?
0: I wouldn't say robust, but I would say that it's it's more plentiful than I think people are giving it credit for. I think okay. there's a more there's a more beefy middle tier than years past.
1: That's okay. So that's where I was gonna say it was because I made a video about this recently on my YouTube channel, and I was talking about how the the top tier of pitchers there's the guys that you all know. You have the Jacob Degrom. Uh, you have Clayton Kershaw, Carlos Rodon. Am I Justin forgetting? Verlander. Justin Verlander. Those are like the clear top cut of this. But then there is a list of probably about 30 to 40 pitchers that all are going to be in a rotation next year, are all going to help a team, and are all good to not great, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And though I mean, those guys,
0: I we have notes ready for all of them, so we're going to get into them as much as this episode lets us. But I do think there's going to be a bit of an opportunity to buy up some of these guys early. Because I think that a lot of this market's going to get stalled by DeGrom, Judge, I guess Rodon, probably Verlander, and probably Trey Turner. Yeah. And we've seen years past that there's always going to be a couple guys who just want to jump the market, let it go, get it over with. Those guys usually aren't agents by Scott Boris, so <laughs> we don't know how long it's going to take with Brandon Nemo, but... There is an opportunity, a buying opportunity here
1: in this next week because free agency actually officially begins. I believe it's Thursday, right? Correct? The, de- the day that this episode drops. I know we normally drop on Wednesday morning for you guys. We did it on Thursday just because it's an off-season episode and some things have been going on here. But it today, the day that you're listening also to this... It out Wednesday afternoon. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But the day that you're listening to this, we're assuming it's Thursday. I'm going to... How about this? If it's Thursday, November 11th, Teams can start negotiating with free agents that were not on their team last year. So that means the Mets can go negotiate with a Trey Turner, or that means that another team can negotiate theoretically, 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 theoretically. allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, or another team can negotiate with a brand new Jacob Degrom. That's that's what we want to tell you.
0: We also have to tell you right now that we know nothing. We nothing. I know we're, we're associated with the Mets and we're the official podcast. We don't even have an IO of information. I wish we did. It'd i would be sick we if we did.
1: Some, I wish we had some juice. I, I wish we had some insider information to be sick. <laughs> be we so got nothing. Cool. We got nothing. How do we, we have work nothing with the at team? All. we got nothing?
0: Eventually maybe we'll be folded into in some of these deep, dense types of discussions. We're always open to Philly Upline. and I'm sure he is listening. Like we're always yeah. ready to give takes, give some give some analysis.
1: Zow's where if nothing. he ever wants to, you know, come and just throw some ideas at a wall. We're that wall. We're no, we're ready yeah, we're to cool. listen.
0: We're cool for a brainstorm sesh. Give us a whiteboard or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mapping mean, up the roster like the guys yeah. in Moneyball.
1: I'll, I'll tell you this: I've been pretty good with draft picks. I've been I've been pretty cash money. You've been cash money with the random pitchers that are just going to pop off, and it's I can't thing. wait to hear who those guys are going to be this year.
0: I have a couple of bizarre guys on this list that I made up for this, but we this is a lot of Mets. I feel like that there's like two groups of Mets fans going to this offseason: the ones who expect literally every single thing in the world, yes. and the ones who expect absolutely nothing. And yes. I think that we're going to be blessed by finding ourselves somewhere in the middle. We don't know how the team is going to handle the. Like the amount of money they're going to spend, or where they're going to spend it, how, pitching versus hitting, bullpen, starting. Because there are, like we said, there's a lot of open roster spots in this team, a ton. And the Mets are probably going to have to get a little bit creative. We don't know anything about trades yet. We didn't even talk about trades before this episode because we don't know any way they can go, what kind of players are going to be available. This time, of the offseason <laughs> trades kind of come out of nowhere anyway. Like, we we just do don't. know
1: that uh, Perry Asian was saying that Shohei Otani will not be traded this offseason. Yeah, all right. Perry, we'll, yeah, sounds, we'll that sounds like something backwards. that someone
0: would say while he's thinking about trading somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, might not even be the GM if they sell the team. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't
0: care. <laughs> he's just saying that right now. He doesn't want to be the guy who trades him. It's also like, as a team like that, a team that's bad and going to be bad, you need to put asses in the seats.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. Nothing for. sells tickets like saying, "Yeah, we're going to trade Shohei." Nothing kills your <laughs> leverage like we're looking to move the best player in baseball.
0: How to not sell season tickets? We're going to trade the most unique talent this game has ever seen. <laughs> Ooh, in a place where the weather's always nice.
1: <laughs> you want to like, not get people <laughs> at the ballpark? You know what happened the last time someone like Shohei Otani got traded?
0: No. Oh, it was it was a literal curse on the yeah, franchise. Yeah, hundred year pox. <laughs> so, but. Flip side of that, spin zone. A great play was made. A great play was
1: made. 100%. A hundred. Great play and, was made. I mean, that team's been pretty good the last twenty years, so I don't really yeah, care maybe what it was worth. Yeah, but ten till now. I can't. I can't deal with a hundred year curse because we'll be dead. I can't oh, do that. We we will not make. It's not our team. It's not our team. So it actually doesn't matter. I can. Yeah, I can handle the angels not winning for hundred years. I don't care.
0: There's a lot of stuff right now, so I guess should we just talk about the big names? Because that's what people want to hear. Let's hit. Let's hit the big names. Let's do it. All right, so first big name that actually was in a, in a very away rumor that we are in no way corroborating on this show. Someone talked about Trey Turner being like a potential option. And Trey yeah, Turner... I- is a potential option, I would say, for 30 teams in baseball. You know why? At least he he's incredible. What do you mean? At least that's that's all of them. <laughs>
1: he. is... Everyone
0: in the MPB and the KBL
1: are also yeah. considering trade Turner. Whatever baseball leagues exist, the Italian <laughs> league we have that stuff coming out with Omar. The Italian oh, sure. league should be all over trade Turner if they all possibly can muster up the money. Before we talk about trade Turner, did you see the video that got released? The hype video. No. You didn't see this? I didn't know what you're talking about. CAA released a hype video. It's like a five-minute montage, like sizzle reel, of Trey Turner, voiced over by John Hamm, just reading out his accolades over his career, what he's done the last few years. And it was like saying things like, Trey Turner can not only hit the baseball hard, but he plays a great shortstop and runs fast. Like <laughs> those kind of things. And I was like, I, I, left, I watched the entire thing, and I left like confused – and cringing a little bit, but I'm also like, it's kind of sick because Trey Turner's so awesome, and boy, would I love him on my team. I,
0: I would do anything for it to get like a John Hamm narration about myself, too. John Hamm's yeah. A f- yeah. Oh. John Ham is a legend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sneak a little, little F bomb in there. First episode of the offseason.
0: Having too much fun. But I mean, Turner, Turner is like unmistakably one of the best players in baseball. I have a yep. friend, shout out Luke, who, like for years, he was like, I'm betting Trey Turner to win the MVP every single year because at some point it's going to happen. I had a great Trey Turner future during the 2021 season that I had the chance to. He became the favorite at a point in August when he got really hot after the Dodgers trade. And I had a point to cash it out for money and I didn't because I got greedy and I should have. That was stupid. <laughs> Hand up on me. But. If you go back to 2019, the only player with more war than Trey Turner is Aaron Judge. He's got 80 homers in the last, like, I guess one of these is strike short. And so I'm not even going to try to do that mental math right now. But since 2019 at 311, 361, 509 slash 133 WRC plus. He still, he plays like good defense at short. It's not really great at this point. It's like quite good though. He'll be a great second baseman if, if push came to shove. He's still only 29 years old. He's still the fastest guy in baseball. So the physical tools are absolutely not deteriorating in any way. He's one of the best players in baseball, completely in his prime, and is a bona fide, surefire MVP candidate every single
1: moment that he ever plays. Like you said, every team is going to be in on this guy. There are a lot of teams that could, one, use a shortstop. There's a lot of teams that could use a second baseman. There's a lot of teams that could use wherever Trey Turner could possibly play. I think if you're a Met fan, uh, remember every rumor with a grain of salt. Take everything for exactly what it is, a rumor. Don't necessarily think that there's any truth behind a lot of the stuff that you see, but if you are a Mets fan, I think... You should be you should be welcoming Trey Turner if he were to come to this open team arms. with open arms. Like I saw a lot of conversation of like, well, we have Lindor, we have McNeil. Like, yeah, we have good players. Let's get another one. we we'll f- you will find spots for guys. That is not going to ever be the problem of we have too many good players. No one's ever said that. When the
0: Dodgers traded for Trey Turner, they had Mookie Betts and and uh, who am I am missing a Craig. Like Corey, Seager. Corey Seager. Yeah, like they, the team was was plenty okay in the positions that Trey Turner could play, and it really didn't matter.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, he would be he would be absolutely sick. Realistically, probably not the guy that is the most focus on. I would think if I was the GM, it wouldn't be my most focus. And pure speculation. I think it's just the fact that we just named all of those
0: pitchers who the, who are not on the Mets roster at this given moment. Nine hundred innings of made nine hundred major league innings from last year's roster currently not associated with the team. So to me, it makes sense that there's probably going to be a focus on pitching yeah rather than hitting but like if again if an MVP candidate like Trey Turner comes into your lap you can't really say no and now I kind of want to discuss Trey Turner's college teammate Carlos Rodan yes who's someone who I think is incredibly interesting someone who became one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last 2 years pitcher with the best whiff rate and a four seam fastball in all of baseball and that's from the left side he is he is literally unbelievable
1: yeah I saw a really interesting uh article written by someone that <laughs> had Carlos Rodon had top 10 free agent targets the Mets should have. And I believe Carlos Rodon was 10th behind Robert Suarez, a reliever, Robert Suarez uh, behind Justin Verla behind some crazy names. Uh, Carlos Correa was also, I think ninth on this one. Hmm. Carlos Rodon outside of Jacob deGrom is the next best available starting pitcher on the market. He's, I don't know what he has to do to get that respect from the, the, the common folk, but I feel like at least the people who know baseball have seen Carlos Rodon go, oh yeah, this guy's really good. What is that? <laughs> that was la Pachata.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go out on the limb and say that Carlos Rodon's like very, I mean, we're probably going to work on your pitcher ranking soon, like around December. He's- yeah, Definitely. He's one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball, pretty clearly, possibly
1: even one of the five best. And especially after he had this past season with the Giants, because me and you talked about it last year when we wanted Carlos Rodon that it was 120 innings and he fizzled out towards the end.
0: Yeah, he so he, 100- and, and, and he fizzled out dramatically. His velocity completely fell off a cliff in August
1: and it completely fell apart in the postseason. But this year, different. He threw 180 innings this year, which is way more than he threw last year, and he was killer all season long. I'm going to pull up
0: his velocity stuff right now just to completely, like, make sure of that. But I, Carlos Rodon is 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 incredible. And, like, lucky for us, like, we, we're blessed to have some actual connections with Mr. Rodon. So. <laughs> I went to dinner with Carlos Rodon. Smith yeah, Mark,
1: and Walensky picked up the tab. What a legend.
0: Mark went to dinner with Carlos Rodon. He, I mean, his last actually, September was his, his best velo month of the whole year. That's kind of unbelievable to when I tell you that.
1: But The best insight I could give you about Carlos Rodon is the dude loves playing baseball, is ready to pitch, wants the win, and wants to get paid what he deserves. And I think that's completely fair. No,
0: he deserves a lot. Carlos Rodon, and this is also, he's 29 years old after some injury riddled seasons, but coming off one of the best seasons in the whole game, 6.2 F4, 12, 12 Ks per nine, just like an unbelievable talent he he needs this big contract like this yes. is go- this is it's hilarious because coming off the giants but this is going to be this is going to be kevin gassman from last year he's looking for five six or seven years north of 25 million per could sneak into 30 just depending on how the market shakes out like this is going to be the big contract that gets given out this winter from the pitching side and 100%. i don't know if anyone else is even going to come close to comparing because the other guys we mentioned are old or have the big question marks some guys will talk about later so Rodon is the marquee piece Rodon's a frontline starter. He's the kind of guy who can win you a World Series if the chips break right. And it'd be it'd be cool if he was on our team.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, you talk about aces available on the market. He's definitely one of the two, three. Two, three? What do you what do you think? Soft soft four. Okay, soft four with including Kershaw still in that ace. Kershaw when he pitches, he's still an ace, but just we yeah. don't know. Yeah, I mean he's thrown 120 innings the last few years. Kershaw and Verlander obviously gonna both be available on this market. Don't necessarily know what their stuff's going to look like. Also, I think Verlander could technically still pick up a player option for worth like $25 million with the Astros. I could see him doing that. I don't know. It depends how he's feeling. We don't know the guy. It'd be a cool guy to know as well. Justin Yeah, Verlander. I'd like to meet Justin
0: Verlander. Maybe him and Kate.
1: That video of Kate Upton flipping off the Phillies fans, by the way, is yeah. an all-timer. That's awesome.
0: Also, her going ballistic with the Fox guys after they won. Yeah, with with awesome. with their daughter or one of their kids, I don't remember who it was just like Holden being like,
1: "We won." That's great. Yeah, she's she's a fun girl. She looks like she has a good time.
0: Yeah, rather die. So, those are Turner and Rodon are the two marquee guys. Verlander, Kershaw are two guys, and along with Degrom, who are what would you call them? Like marthers, basically. Not marthers. Uh, what's supposed to word? Marquee. No, it's not that. Um, what are you explain what you're trying to merc uh, mercenaries? Okay, they're coming uh, in. They're coming in for not that long of a time, but they're coming in to do a lot of good work.
1: Sure, all right, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, they're coming yeah. in. They're coming in hot.
0: Yeah, and then and then there's the next tier of pitching, which you, I guess we're just gonna flip through them all now, right? Might yeah, well, let's just here. talk
1: about it now since we're on the the topic of pitching.
0: There's 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 a nice fat second tier here, and it, it includes some guys who you might think are on this tier, you might not think are on this tier. This tier is, I would say, led by Chris Bassett definitely of reliable plus effective plus you know just trustworthy as another word for reliable because I want to really hammer home how how much he is so like he he had such a good year with the Mets this season 180 innings was 11th in the NL he had less than a ERA under three at home he just he gives up so much soft contact like he's he's this he is a guy who would be great to have I know a lot of people sour on him for the way the year ended but I don't know it's like Guys have cold streaks. His cold streak happened at a bad time. I wouldn't let that completely impale the way you view Chris Bassett as a pitcher. We talked about him at nauseum this year. His kitchen sink, color slider, sinker, fastball, curveball. Like he just throws it all. He has it all. He is, he is, I'd say, the least risky pitcher on this market who's not part of the top tier.
1: Do you agree? Um, least risky, that's not a part of the top tier. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess when you look at all these other guys that we do like and that we have on our lists, there is either some sort of history of injury, which mm-hmm. I think is always worth bringing up when you have pitchers. I mean, we also know that you're injured until you're not, which is something that I know you love to say. I mean, that's um, that's the Trey Turner. That's the Trey Turner thing. You're injured until you're not. But in terms of consistency, like, I, I think you could probably... Peg where Chris Bass is going to finish, relatively speaking, every single year
0: for sure. And you know what? For that consistency, you are going to have to pay. Like I am sure, yes. I am sure that Chris Bass is not going to sign a deal for less than three years, and I am sure it's not going to be for a dollar less than eighteen million per,
1: like possibly he, he up, just- up to
0: twenty. Deserves to get paid. He deserves to get paid. He does, and he, he will. He will get paid. Like Chris Bassett. Now again, we're going to keep drawing comparisons to last offseason because that's one of the best ways to see how the general managers think. He's probably going to get the deal a little bit similar to Marcus Stroman.
1: Yep, and that's kind of it's. it's so It'll be weird, for less Alex. years
0: because he's significantly older.
1: But yeah. it's true. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Um. I mean, like, like the other names that you have listed on here, like in that next tier, like a guy like Nathan Navaldi. Like, I think. If we're talking, like, top-end, like, what we could get out of a guy, like Nathan Ivaldi, I think, is one of the more exciting names on this list just because we have seen him be shut down before and be really, really good over an extended period of time. But again, injuries. And then that's also the part of the free agency that's, like, the biggest worry for a team, a fan
0: of anybody. Is like, am I paying... For what has happened, or am I paying for what will happen? Yeah, and that's like the crux of this entire you know exercise here. Because Evaldi is a guy; he has been heroic. He's been great in his career. Everyone remembers the the night, the Friday night, eighteen inning game with the Dodgers and the Brit, uh, uh, Red Sox, where he won them the world, won the Red Sox the World Series. But he is thirty three years old. He is coming off a season where he had shoulder and back issues, which yep. are never good probably rank one and two for the worst injuries I ever want to see a pitcher have, especially a guy who's had tons of shoulder issues during his career already and elbow and issues. elbow,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, and that's also just because of Valdi's stuff is so good. Like, his his velocity is still there. His slider is still unbelievable. Like, that's the craziest part about Valdi. Like, his stuff and command are all exactly what you think you would need from an elite pitcher. And he's still put together some amazing seasons the last few years, pitching in Fenway Park, pitching in the American League East. Uh, and his vision is not very easy to pitch in, especially compared to the National League East and City Field. He's just... If you can if you can get him kind of cheaply because more people are scared, like if I can give him a two-year deal, that seems like a sweet spot for Valdi. But anything, yeah. anything more than that, I think any fan would probably be nervous just because like, especially when he's coming off an injury-riddled season. Yeah. Like this isn't like Rodon where the injuries were multiple years ago. Rodon just put together in a remarkably healthy season. He is... Valdi did not. And that's where I get paused with him.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I think... I want to clarify too, for those of you listening at home, this isn't like an endorsement of like we like if we don't want this guy. Like these the guys that we're mentioning are all guys that we're gonna we would be happy to have. That's why we're talking about them. The guys you don't hear us necessarily talk about, you'll it'll be very obvious who we're not talking about on this podcast. But like when we bring up these guys, it's like this is a conversation we wanna have because we think there's a possibility that like a team should be interested in this and we want you to be informed on what these guys could be like.
0: And we also just kind of want to tell you guys about these pitchers because a lot of people just watch the Mets very regularly. A lot of people aren't like Mark and I. You guys aren't psychos. You guys don't. You <laughs> guys aren't in fourteen fantasy baseball leagues. Like you're not. You're not locked into every single pitcher in the league. Like we're going to talk about next: Andrew Heaney, Jameson Taillon, Jose Quintana, Corey Kluber. These are guys who you might not be that keyed in on their their strengths, their weaknesses, and probably what their market will evolve into. So that's what we're here to talk about. This is no way tied to. Who we want the Mets to sign, or who we think the Mets are going to sign? Because we don't, we we just we simply don't know. It's
1: all speculation. Yeah. What about a name that the Mets fans sh- will know? Pitched on this team just a few years ago, and he had a career season. I'm interested to hear your take on this guy because you're the pitching, you're the exactly pitching what guy. You're going to ask Michael Waka Waka Waka. <laughs> what is? Do you think that's legit? Like I I haven't dove deep into his stuff, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I got deep in Waka this afternoon. I kind of fell in love with
0: Waka this year because he just he popped out of nowhere and he had that such hot stretch toward the middle end of summer. I had um, I'd always I just forgot to tweet it, but I had it in my drafts forever. It was a blind resume between Michael Waka and Logan Webb, and they had they had like a two month stretch where they're basically the exact same pitcher. But then Waka got cold at the end of the year and Webb got hot, and I just never tweeted it, so I lost it. But Waka. Waka was hilariously really good this year, but he really outran a lot of his estimators. Like his FIP okay. was om- like, oh, like over a half run higher in his ERA. That's at like 313, which for a guy who pitches for the Red Sox in the American League East is insane. He also had a left on base rate above eighty percent. Left on base rate is exactly what it sounds. It's literally when you end innings with like how many guys that get on base, how many guys stay on base? The league average for that's usually in the seventies. When you see those eighties numbers, if you're looking at baseball stats, your ears should perk up. Like that's something that likely will regress. But the thing about Waka is that his changeup is still very good, and the Red Sox were actively making adjustments to it during last season. It They dropped his changeup three miles an hour, so it had a bigger gradient between that and his fastball. It was only about four or five miles an hour's difference when he was here with the Mets. Last year, yeah. it stretched out to seven or eight, which for changeup, that's a big deal. It's possibly even a bigger deal than the actual physics of the pitch because Waka's changeup moved far less, had less drop, and it had less fade. But I think the fact that it created such a big uh, disparity in velocity, it kind of made the pitch more effective because that's kind of the whole goal of it to look like a fastball and not act like a fastball.
1: I mean, the whole way that like uh, through playing baseball and everything, the changeups always ever been described is you're trying to like, basically like pull a string. Like, yeah. you want it to look like a fastball, and all of a sudden, it's not there. And that's what his changeup seems to be doing more with that disparity and difference.
0: Absolutely. But, like, the pitch still, I would, I, I, I have trouble calling an elite because it doesn't move in an elite way. Like, especially compared yeah. to another guy having this list, Ross Trippling, who does have an elite changeup. Probably one of the best in, term- in all of baseball. But Waka had fantastic command. He kept the ball in the yard. His ground ball rate was over 40%, which is a good, good spot to sit. It's not elite, but it's a good place to be. He, and he still has such good command, and he has a lot of pitches that he can throw. A slider, a fastball, like he, a cutter, I believe, if I remember correctly. So, he's a guy who it would probably be disgusting for Mets fans to hear. Yeah. But I'm sure he's a guy who will just eat a ton of innings. Like, I, he compares favorably to, I think, Taiwan Walker.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, like, I even remember, like, at points in the it was here 2020, right? Was the 2020 season yeah. he was a part of the team? Like, he did have starts, remember, where you're like, oh. He does. Good little pitcher for us. And, like— I think for a guy who we wouldn't be bringing in as like the headline, of course, he wouldn't, be, wouldn't be, a be carrying guy. a lot of yeah, wouldn't be carrying a lot of weight on his shoulders. I mean, it's, it's worth a worth a look. I think.
0: I think we also like just collectively, like as baseball fans, got a lot of waka fatigue because he came up and he was so good right away on some good Cardinals teams, and then like he just fell off completely because that team. I don't. I, they're they're pitching development weird. I still don't understand how the Cardinals do it, but
1: <laughs> and he like he still I like how at, they do it, yeah. <laughs> They they get guys who pitch the pitch the contact and the outfield's huge and they have great defense. I mean that's it's great. It's a really good it's idea. Kind of it's like yeah,
0: oh, we figured this one out. But he doesn't walk that many people. zRA Era, was three three two his ERA. But the expected ERA was like four and a half. So again, like there's good he's a true he's probably a true talent four one, four two, four three ERA guy.
1: Okay.
0: But I don't think that's a bad thing in, in the back of a rotation. You need that guy, especially a guy who's gonna throw innings for you. He only threw 130 innings last year, but he got hurt. But I think he's a guy you could probably as only thirty-one years old could rely on. And like I mentioned before, fastball, changeup, color. He has a sinker. He has a little bit of a curveball, but he has not much of a feel for it. It does pitch that was bigger earlier in his career. He's he's just a guy who would just be a dude. Probably a couple mil, hang out in the back of the rotation, pitch. All right. Give me give me a name that you you want to talk about. Because again, this is
1: this is your sweet spot here with pitching.
0: <laughs> there's a, there's two guys who I'm pretty excited for who I think the Mets could sign us offseason I think would fit well. And you can kind of get them in for a longer term deal with a lower AAV than some other pitchers. And they're Andrew Heaney and Jameson Tyone. Those Mm, two names probably sound so disgusting to most baseball fans, but there are like (laughs) so many reasons that those guys can be good. First, I want to talk about Heaney because this was the classic, like, oh, he went to a smart team. They're going to fix him. And the Dodgers did fix Andrew Heaney in like 30 minutes, probably about. He he
1: went to the Dodgers and he
0: got good. Where have I heard this before? Could could you even imagine? He basically, in one second, they taught him the pitch that they've been teaching all of their pitchers. Uh, Evan Phillips, especially as a guy who comes to mind, is the sweeper. It's a new variant of a slider that started being popularized the last few years that gets more horizontal movement. And the key difference is you want the way it spins off your hand to not to behave differently in the way it actually spins. So you want to kind of trick the hitter. You're getting a little bit of seam-shifted wake on the pitch. So you're, it's spinning like this, but then eventually it goes like this. You're getting less depth, less drop, more sweep, how the pitch was named. And you're basically tricking hitters. And that pitch is a way... It's not as good at getting whiffs as traditional sliders, but it's much better at missing barrels, getting hit for softer contact on the ground in the air. There's tons of great articles on Fangraphs about this. If you guys want to learn about the sweeper, definitely just go Google sweeper or just Fangraph search sweeper. There's millions and millions of great articles. Millions. Yeah, Watch no, out I mean, Alex Chamberlain specifically. He's done a lot of work for it.
1: Andrew Heaney had a very, very good year. Um, definitely much improved at least. And I mean, we've seen what the Mets have been able to do with some pitchers that they brought in. Uh, there's definitely some guts there. Everyone for the longest time has been talking waiting for the Heaney breakout. And it looked like he got a little bit I don't would you call this his breakout this year, or you still think there's more?
0: 100% gonna call last year's breakout. Once he started right. throwing that sweeper, by the end of the year he was throwing it almost thirty three percent of the time, a third. It got forty four percent whiffs, two thirty five X Wobo, which in terms of missing both missing bats and inducing soft contact, those are incredible stats up there with some of the most effective pitches in baseball. Home runs were still an issue for Heaney because his fastball is not great. He has one of those low-arm slot four-seam fastballs that runs more than rises, so it's, it's just going to get popped sometimes. And Dodger Stadium's a good place to hit a home run. City Field, not a great place to hit a home run, so that would be a big help there. The other thing about Heaney is that injuries, durability, are still an issue. He only threw 72 innings last year, but those innings were like as elite of any 70-inning sample in all of baseball. Of all pitchers who threw at least 70 innings last year, Heaney had the second best strikeout minus walk rate. Holy.
1: Wow. Who's the T-0's only guy that was first- better
0: was Spencer Strider, and that was by 0.3%.
1: That mustache-faced rat.
0: Yeah, jerk. F-jerk. But <laughs> <laughs> in... When Heaney was on the mound last year, he was literally one of the best pitchers in baseball. And I don't think he's being regarded as such just because it wasn't that big of a sample and it happened very suddenly. I think that you're going to see a lot of the more intelligent teams in on Heaney. I think you're going to see teams offering him three years at probably about 15, 16 per, because I think that what he did in the small sample last year is worth that. And I think that he's a guy, if you hit it right, because you're only injury prone until you're not, could be someone who could change the scope of any pitch, pitch rotation in the league.
1: I mean, listen, I, I didn't need as much selling on Heaney because I, I I saw a lot of the stuff happen this year. But I think you got to sell me on Tyone a little bit more because I don't know. It's oh, I, I hate the Yankees, so that's probably like 95% of why I just don't see it. But I don't know. Tyone, I think I might need a little more convincing. All right.
0: Big thing with Tyone is I've always loved Tyone. Just I have a soft spot for him, so there's a little bit of bias. The first time I ever like commented on baseball in my life was an article about James and Tyone before the 2019 season when I just realized he was throwing his slider more and sliders were better to throw than fastballs and was getting more whiffs and he was breaking out since then he had a second Tommy John surgery which is awful it's really tough almost no pitchers ever come back from two Tommy Johns but the two years he's pitched since it looks like it is coming back James Tyone also beat cancer have to mention that yeah. shout out James and Tyone two Tommy Johns and cancer so nothing can stop this guy literally he made a lot of adjustments in between 2021-2022 with the Yankees. Way less fastballs, more sliders, more sinkers. And he developed a cutter in between those years, which is interesting. The cutter did get hammered, but it had very unique movement in that he was throwing at 90-91 miles an hour. It had good slide, and it had some drop. So it's almost like a slider variant, but it was just harder than it because it didn't Mm -hmm. behave like traditional cutter. It was weird. He also threw less curveballs, even though that was his best-performing pitch in terms of whiffs. And his slider had a lot more depth and a lot more slide in the second year after his second time of John recovery and his velocity in his fastball almost got all the way back to where it was before that surgery. So he was used to sit 95, 96 this year. He sat 94-ish. So that might also be a thing where he shakes the year rust off one more year and he gets there. And he was hurt a lot by home runs in Yankee Stadium home run and fly ball rate was significantly worse than it was during his days in Pittsburgh. That could either be because of just the the diminished effectiveness from the surgery or the fact he's playing in Yankee stadium against the AL East in terms, uh, compared to national league central against, you know, the Cubs and the Reds and all those terrible teams that play there. The Yankees, if anything, I've given them a lot of credit on this show. And I, to you just personally, if there's anything that they do struggle with in this generation of their organization, besides winning in the playoffs, it (laughs) is, it's professional pitching development. They've kind of gotten a lot of these veterans and not really maximized their talent in the last few years. Sonny Gray is the obvious one that comes to mind. So I do think in terms of Tyone's repertoire between a fastball that's still able to miss bats, a slider that is still good, a sinker that is good at getting ground balls, and a cutter that is incredibly unique, and a changeup that gets whiffs. I just gave you five pitches. A guy yeah. that struggles with the long ball, pitching in a tough division— Another year removed from a second time of John surgery, who has just the absolute heart of a God beating all these things he's beaten. I really think that he's a guy who you can get and will be, who will work, who work hard and there is upside left in what he has.
1: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, listen, you're convincing me more. You're convincing me more. You're, <laughs> you're, you're softening me up on James Tyone a little bit. A uh, few more pitchers here. Cause we've been talking about pitchers for a bit and I do want to talk about some offense a little bit. I mean, We're going to have so many episodes this offseason. You're going to hear us talk about a lot more players. But I think as a first episode, it's good to just get some stuff out there as we have.
0: For sure. I mean, I'll just run through the rest of the guys quick in this tier. Corey Kluber is someone I'm also very in on. The stuff is still super there. His curve is unbelievable. His color is amazing. And the Rays just push those two pitches up so, so he would throw them the most. The only thing is you're not going to get the volume because at this point in his career, I mean, we saw this the way the Rays handled him. One, he's not the most durable anymore. They kind of helped him be durable by limiting him to about 80 pitches per start. The weird caveat, though, is like as his cutter and his sinker dominate, his repertoire, his ground ball rate fell, Mm -hmm. which I think the Rays might have been doing that purposefully because they are so keen on outfield defense and that outfield there is so vast that maybe that was just an adjustment they made personally. But Mm -hmm. I think Kluber still has enough stuff, enough command, and just enough just... Oh, i did it again damn you look at you i'm just too into it right now Potty I, I, mouth. we've been we've been so like glad in these episodes for the last month that like yes. now we're actually talking about real stuff We're like analyzing again like i feel i feel like we're, we're back in the back in the saddle but kluber, kluber I like. vigor yeah i got some more vigor back in but kluber someone i like someone i don't like jose Quintana. Like I had to,
1: why because he did have like a weird good year
0: it was a fake it was a fake good year the pitches aren't okay. good the change up, the changeup could st- the changeup is still good but the fastball is bad the breaking stuff is bad he stopped walking guys but I almost think that was a bit of an aberration like there's nothing I think the Cardinals just like just throw it down the middle like we're gonna catch it probably anyway and the Pirates who just is the he pitched the whole year in national League Central you almost can't take that seriously at all
1: it's kind of true yeah, yeah really like, there's
0: point. no good offenses in the entire division not one there was zero good offenses in all the division
1: yeah no that's a really good point
0: like 30 percent of the games he played were against teams that literally couldn't hit so it's hard <laughs> to take anything seriously and his the stuff's just not good like like none of his pitches have above average moving profile at all he doesn't have good velocity and if the walks come back you're completely with a, a lemon
1: yeah no that's a, okay that's a good point that's a good point
0: another guy who i like in terms of talent but like don't like in terms of timing is tyler anderson you're just that's buying it your, your boy I mean, last year, he would have been my boy, but you're buying him at the top of the market now. Like, I don't want to give Tyler Anderson three years. I want to give him one year for seven mil. It would have been great.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. know. I, I could see that one.
0: And then the other two guys I'll touch on briefly are Ross Stripling and Zach Eflin. Um, I just, I love Zach Eflin. I talk about him all the time. He had a degenerative patellar issue in his knee where he didn't learn how to follow <laughs> through until like 2018. If you guys want to find some deep, deep James tracks, just like search my name, James Shiano and Zach Eflin. You'll find tons of articles I wrote in 2019 and 2020. Just, he literally had to like relearn how to pitch, and he got more velocity, got more movement and everything. He's been good since then. He's had some more issues. I think he had another knee injury also at the end of last yeah. year, correct? Yeah. But he came back so hot at the end of this year. He was one of the most important players in the Phillies postseason roster. And his his curveball and the slider are both amazing, and his sinker is an above-average pitch in terms of movement and velocity. And his command's is completely elite with everything. He looked great in relief, and I think he for sure can start again with that repertoire. For sure.
1: Yeah, he looked Filthy in the postseason. Disgusting. He looked, he looked disgusting. Filthy. It was so his vindicating
0: pitches... to see him come and after all these times I've said his name, to just dominate on national television.
1: The movement on his, I guess, two-seam, was he thrown? Was it a two-seam or a sinker, whatever? They what
0: call it a sinker, but I think uh, who knows what it actually is. It's incredible. Yeah. And his he has two legit breaking balls on two different planes between the curveball and the slider. He is really good. And you get that guy in a ballpark like Citi Field, he can eat. Eat. That's like, and that's also something I'm saying about all these guys, but that's an advantage that the Mets do have when bringing in pitchers.
1: I heckled Zach Eflin at spring training back in 2018 when he like couldn't throw hard at all. That's because his knees didn't work yet. I know. Shame I on you! Sta- I was standing behind him throwing a bullpen, it, <laughs> at, but it was like the first game of spring training too. I think it was between the Braves and the Phillies at Disney World, and Zach Eflin was throwing I'm like can't even break 90, can't <laughs> even couldn't. pop the catcher's glove.
0: <laughs> you are throwing like 94 now though. Like you like, imagine, imagine your whole life you can't do something and you don't know it.
1: It's like a superpower.
0: Literally, imagine you never you couldn't bend your knees and you had no idea. And like, like not- I like an old old article I wrote for a blog that doesn't even exist anymore called Prospects Three Sixty Five. Like I was literally pulling screen caps of Zach <laughs> Eflin pitching. He used to finish his pitches and his back used to be straight because he couldn't bend. <laughs> and eventually, like he got three more miles an hour in his fastball one off season. I was like, this guy's going to be the man. And yeah, I think we're just and the pitching development is so weird. That happens to these guys at such different times. Especially a guy like Eflin who came right to the major leagues out of high school. He was up and down. Then he had major reconstructive surgery. He's always been great at limiting exit velocity. He, oh God, I, this guy, I think he'd be awesome. And I really still think there's an extra mile or two you could tick off that fastball, and get from 93 dude. to 94. He's, He's one of my guy. guys. He's a
1: big guy. I, then, now, oh, you got one more? Give me one more, though. Just
0: quickly, Ross Stripling. I just think he was like he was hilariously good at the end of last season. The Blue Jays also have this veteran pitching magic now of the last few years. We've seen them besides Jose Barrios. They've like made every <laughs> single person better. And that hilariously, besides he was, the one guy that the one who was the one actually thinks. good.
1: And maybe you Kikuchi.
0: Yeah, you say I mean, he was actually decent in the bullpen at the end of the year. He's a changeup. The guy's up back, and the velocity was back. But his cha- stripling's changeup is insane. It's 10-mile-an-hour difference with his fastball. They had him throwing it 35% of the time in September. Eventually became his most thrown pitch by the end of the season, and they turfed his 4 fastball because the pitch sucks. But Tripling also has an above average curveball and a good slider, and he doesn't walk anybody. Doesn't walk yeah. anybody. And he's got one of those rubber arms. You can just throw him out there and pitch. And he's, a, he's someone who's very comfortable moving roles between the bullpen and the rotation, which is very valuable in the back of a roster. I like Tripling. I think Tripling's a good little pitcher, and he
1: seems to just love Davis. So I like that too. We like smart guys. We like smart guys. We're smart guys. We're smart guys around here. We want more smart guys like us.
0: A couple sharp guys. And then just some other names like Clevenger, I think, can still be good couple yeah. more years away from the Tommy John, I think he'll be fine. Three pitches with a whiff rate above 29%. Fastball got back up to 93-94. Command is bad, but that usually takes longer after Tommy John. Then I got the psycho names. Like, Chad Cool Chad is two good breaking balls. Like, I'll say <laughs> it out loud. Chris Archer's velocity came back, but he can't throw more than, like, 50 pitches at a time. Johnny Cueto and Rich Hill for the memes. And then the last one out of nowhere, who I think will be good, once he plays for the first smart organization of his career, is Vince Velasquez. Yeah, Spent his whole career with the old stupid Phillies and the White Sox. And like then the White Sox, could you imagine that stuff? Like the you know pencil, pencil and paper. Where?
1: Oh, Astros. They drafted them. Astros. That's I smart. Know. That's a smart organization who initially got his career
0: started. Vince Velasquez has a slider, a curveball, and a fastball. that are all above average, and he's never played for a team that's smart. Just no, give, give him give him twenty minutes with Jeremy Hefner.
1: He left Take the Phillies meeting. as soon as they started to figure out pitching. Literally
0: timed that. it imperfectly.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's that was all I someone we mentioned a lot.
1: That was someone we mentioned a lot last offseason. Was like Vince Velasquez would be a fun little flyer to take. You know, like if we <laughs> if were just if we're throwing out money. Vince Velasquez could use some.
0: You want to get my blood pumping? Talk about the free agent pitchers. This is this has been my life for my entire life since I was right. conscious. This is about everything.
1: Well, I'm gonna calm you down a little bit because I got to talk about the offense. <laughs> and I mean, we're coming up on like an hour on this episode, so I'm gonna keep it a little bit shorter this time on the offense, and we'll talk about it a little bit more next one because we probably will just have more information about players that are and aren't available and stuff. But I think pro- possibly the most important free agent for the Mets this entire offseason is Brandon Nimmo. I think, yeah, blatantly. Like, I- I've seen a lot of lists. I've seen a lot of rankings. I've seen a lot of this and that. One thing that I've seen, not just by Mets fans and Mets publications, just by everyone, is a unbelievable underrating of Brandon Nimmo again. And I, so don't, I don't know what he has to do to actually get respect from people that are not us Um, like he is one of like, he's not Mike Trout. We know that like when you're talking about like (laughs) one of the best center field, because when I say this and I say, he's one of the best center fielders in baseball, people are like, Oh Mike trout. And I'm like, okay, idiot. Like I didn't mean like Mike trout, Mike trout's one of the best players ever play. But when you are talking about the best center fielders in major league baseball, Brandon Nimmo is 100% a part of that group of, I I would say the elite tier. For sure. I mean, I
0: think there's a grouping at the like trout is, is incredible. Aaron judge played center field and elite level this year. Then you have like Springer is great. And then there's a little bit of a drop off. And I think then you have like Nimmo Reynolds, Cedric Mullins,
1: Robert. Yeah. Robert, uh, I guess now at this point, too
0: is up there, Buxton. Yeah. Buxton, Buxton never plays. So I almost can't even count him.
1: Yeah. But like, like that's the group. And if you don't get Brandon Nimmo back, there is no other option. Like, Strong Marte can play center field, but we want him in right. We know that's where... And can, the...
0: can play center field. We want him in left.
1: Yes, we want him in left. Like, if we want to maximize our potential, I think, uh, getting Brandon Nimmo in center field is vitally, vitally, vitally important. Important. Uh, it's funny. MLB.com does a just a list of all the free agents position by position, and it has their wins ab- above replacement from 2021 to 2022. When you look at the available center fielders... It's disgusting. Just, it's disgusting. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier would be our next best option. Brandon Nimmo's eight point seven WAR over the last two years. Next best is Kevin Kiermaier at three point seven, and he has a club option, so he might not even be available.
0: No, he's—they're going to make him available. The Rays been okay. trying to get rid of Kevin
1: Kiermaier for about three years. <laughs> okay, I mean he plays great defense, but he does. I I think if there's one guy on this market that I I personally, as a Mets fan, want back the most, it's Brandon Nimmo for me. Uh, I just I think it's really really hard to let a talent like him go especially when it really really does feel like he might just be figuring it all out like we started to see him hit for some more power towards the end of the year too and that's like brandon nemo with power and the defense and on base that's scary
0: the thing about Brandon Nimmo is and something we've been saying forever is that he's still like literally baseball young yeah he, did, he didn't even like start playing baseball until he was like a teenager like he never got like the college baseball he never did high school baseball Like he went right to the, the the rookie league when he was a, when he was a child he had no experience at all he's just he gets so much better every year and the irony of this whole thing is that Mets fans like you and I included we've been like asking looking for our center fielder for so long now for years like since Carlos Beltrán went away <laughs> and he was under our nose the whole time and now he he's might right be gone here. before we even realized it yeah, no. Uh, Scott Boris is gonna make
1: it tough. I think there's Scott no. Boris,
0: this Scott Boris has been waiting for this one because this is gonna be the Scott Boras magnus opus because he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get a guy with sixty career home runs like 150 million dollars. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna tip my cap. I hope it's yeah. for us, but if it's not, I'm gonna tip my cap because this is this is Scott Boras is gonna be his greatest achievement ever. A guy who's never hit more than 20 home runs in a season <laughs> is gonna get 150 mil.
1: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of teams are going to be interested. I really hope he comes back to New York with the Mets. I really want him in center field for the foreseeable future. He's just... And he's still the, not even the, 30. The improvements he made defensively are are legit. They're really, really, really important, especially in city field where we know, like, balls don't go out of the park, so keeping them in is important. But who's going to catch them? I want to see Brandon Nimmo catching those balls. We still, The catch against the Dodgers? Dodgers. I mean, I was, come on. I was literally
0: about to say that. Like, talk about balls not going out of the park. That was... I mean, I guess it's kind of sad, but looking back in retrospect, that was the high point of the season, I guess. That game, that DeGrom against the Dodgers. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I guess that's where we, we technically peaked. Uh, maybe. Oh, was it was August 29th. What a great night uh, that was. That We were Thursday. We were Corey. We were having a great time in left field. Yeah, we had a ball. That was that was one of the most fun games we went to all year. What a what a night. But you just, we can't, like, Brandon Mo in, in the last year had his best power production, his lowest strikeout rate. He did that in the same year. Yeah. And his best defense. He did all that in the same year. Like, there's no, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, he he could be a perennial all-star for the length of a five-year contract. And he's a guy who, like... He could play center field for two more years, and then just like you know, the, the Marte, the Canada contract expired. Moving back to a corner, get get be the a young no, center
1: fielder, be an even more elite defensive left fielder,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and continue to hit leadoff with his <laughs> with his three seventy on base percentage. That was hilarious. He Also, one the low marks his entire career. Oh no, his on base percentage dropped because he started swinging the bat, hitting for power. Like he's he's so good, he's so good. And I'm happy the Mets fans finally have begun to respect him, but still not to the point where I think they should.
1: Yeah, no, I mean like uh, the, the offensive market's a little crazy. Uh, there's a lot of And I feel like this is kind of how the offensive free agent market always looks is there are the good players and then there's the rest. And I mean, at center field, Brandon Nimmo is the good player. Obviously, you have Judge in right field. Everybody and their mother is going to be in on Aaron Judge. He's going to get paid $500 million or whatever it's going to be. Uh, It is what it is. Would I take Aaron Judge on my team? Any day. Any day. He's a good baseball player. But, you know, (laughs) at the same time, there's going to be everyone interested. And I'd rather get in bidding wars with other players. Someone, i
0: just i just got really distracted someone just liked one of my tweets and their name is g there had no range so shout out that guy
1: oh i've seen that guy's twitter before yeah it's, i've seen that guy's um it's kind of some funny. other fun hitting names real quick that i'm just gonna list off looking through uh jose abreu's been a name that a lot of people have been bringing up I a think lot of people have been bringing up we'll dive into that one deeper i think in another episode because yeah. we are coming up on an hour and we don't want to keep you guys too too long but jose abreu is an interesting one i think josh bell's an interesting name uh Got to bring up your your sneaky favorite player ever, Gene Segura, who looks like he's out in Philadelphia. Also, my that other sneaky is... one
0: of my favorite players ever, Mitch Haniger. Mariners yep. just said they're not going to give him a qualifying offer. Wow, they're not giving him a QO. That
1: becomes very high in the list now. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Keep an eye out for Mitch. Definitely keep an eye out for Mitch. The shortstops is where the most depth is. Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, and then it falls off a cliff. Good thing we have our shortstop, so it's really not that important. And you know what? Those guys can play other positions, right? Yeah, 100%. Push games to shove? Push games to shove. They could play other positions. Third base, you have Justin Turner. That's basically the guy. Uh, Some interesting names, though. One, I mentioned to you this at the trade deadline. I think, I don't know if we did it on an episode or if this was just me and you having a conversation. Evan Longoria is someone that's just really interesting because while he hasn't played much the last two years, it's been 80 games each season. You put those two together and he's put up like 30 homers and 30 doubles with like an 800 or 820 OPS. Yeah, there's, did, a, there's a bat still inside having Longoria somewhere. It's, it's
0: blatant. He did that thing where you went to the Giants, and they just retaught him how to play baseball, and he became really good at it again. He's yeah, And he's also a, probably a great guy to get for our roster construction because we have Eduardo Escobar, who we went through it last year, guys. You guys are going to get really mad next year when he gets hot and cold, <laughs> but at the end of the year, he's going to be 5% better than the league average. <laughs> or at league average, like we said all, the whole time. And we have Brett Bailey who's growing, and he'll probably have a role in this team at some point. So their base might be a little crowded, but I mean, he's, he can he absolutely hundred percent can hit for power, and this Mets team absolutely hundred percent
1: needs power. I could see a platoon option too, like where you know Vogie it came back, uh, and he's going to be the DH mm-hmm. uh, when he hits righties. As we know, we need someone to hit lefties. Longoria crushes lefties his entire career, so that's someone I think is an interesting maybe if we get and, crazy kind of thing.
0: Well, realistically, that becomes more of a platoon between Vogie and Escobar then, the way you're saying it, because true. You kind of Longoria is good enough where he doesn't really have a platoon split. He's he's hitting as much as possible. You're spelling him for health, and then Voge and Escobar is a very natural platoon split lefty versus righties.
1: Yeah, if something like this were to happen, um, uh, Brandon Drury is also available. Uh, get him in a band box again; he'll probably play well. Yeah, outfielders. Joey Gallo's available. That's <laughs> always some. You're gonna see a really really smart team get Joey Gallo. That's all I'm gonna say. That if someone who signs Joey Gallo, that's someone who's smart. I feel and that's like, not even me being tongue in cheek, by the way. That's being dead serious.
0: No, because Joe Gallo is still a valuable baseball player. A lot of people don't think he is, but he's still a good defender and a guy who hits for a lot of power. It doesn't look like you, your dad wants it to look. or Your grandpa wants it to look, but it's still good. Like, and he's—I don't even know what team obviously will get Gallo because probably a team that wants to compete but doesn't want to spend a lot of money just get some cheap power.
1: Yeah, no, definitely Baltimore. Um, Baltimore would be that'd be kind fun. of fun as lefty
0: as a left, but they have so many good corner outfielders. Maybe like
1: yeah, but I can see like, the Blue
0: Jays who could always use another corner outfielder.
1: Yeah, but you call you could also just DH the guy. Really, at the no, he's the a good day. defender.
0: Like that's not no, really for sure. Oh but yeah, like, DH like DH there or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, something like that. Um, but Joey Gallo is a fun one. Jock Peterson, I think, is a name you are going to be see throwing around a lot. Um, I just would what support? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, in center field we went over. Right field we kind of went over. You know, you know who's still available?
0: I know who. Someone's mentioned to me the other day. Mr.
1: Michael Conforto. Conforto. <laughs> yep, yep. Michael Conforto. I mean. <laughs> You want a rental? <laughs> you want a rental? That's probably that's probably the guy because there's. I-, I think teams are going to be calling him as long as he's healthy. I mean, I- it
0: might as well. Like, it'll probably have to do a workout see if he's you know healthy. How old but- Michael Conforto is? Twenty twenty nine.
1: He's thirty years old. You know, Michael huh. Ford is probably still pretty good. Probably still a pretty good player. I listen. You, you gave me a year off after a disappointing year, and my my, my opinion changes on the guy a little bit.
0: I mean, I was banging the drum last year until the until the bitter end, like just get him back if you can. But I mean, oh, man. Well, so the, the last time Al the played in 2020, uh, 324, 12, 515 slash 158 bad. WRC plus. I don't Not know. Bad. I don't Not know, bad. Jim. I don't know. I don't oh, know. guys! Already put together two seasons of more than 4.4 F. War. It's
1: not that bad. We know he can play in New York. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he can handle
0: it. Oh, God. can handle the
1: pressure. Um, and then in terms of DHs, which I mean, it's it's worth talking about now a little bit. You have JD Martinez, who's a free agent. Michael Brantley. Matt Carpenter, Andrew McCutcheon, who I could honestly be, see being signed by the exact same team and just being a platoon of D.H. Yeah. Carpenter hit righties, let McCutcheon hit lefties. Uh, they both mash whatever they mash. Trey Mancini, I think, also has a chance to be a free agent. Nelson Cruz. Uh, the list goes on and on. D.H. is it's a position that exists. You kind of just find it. You don't really need to search for it.
0: Yeah, and I also think the fact that we did bring... Vogelback back, which I do support wholeheartedly. 1.5 million for Daniel Vogelback is an absolute steal for what he can do with the dish. He does, though, create like a little bit of a roster situation where we don't want that many guys who can't play defense. Correct. We saw last year how tight benches can get in season and that you just want guys who do a lot of different things. And again, that's not me saying I don't want Vogelback in this roster. At that price point, it's an absolute lock and he's a ton of positive value for having on this roster. But it probably does hamstring the Mets from bringing in. The, who all of the people want to sign the the, Mar- the, the Martinez and the Abreu it makes the it makes want to bring one of those guys in difficult.
1: Jose Abreu makes almost no sense. I'm just going to be on makes, the record saying that.
0: I, I, okay, I'm happy you said that because it makes basically none.
1: Yeah, it makes it makes almost no sense. But we'll, I mean, we'll probably, dive deep into that. Yeah, when the rumors really start flying again, uh, most likely the day that you guys are listening to us is going to be Thursday morning. Teams will be able to start negotiating with free agents from that were not on their team in the previous year. So you can expect it's going to be crazy, probably for the next month or so. Um, I don't, I don't know. We've haven't had a really normal off season in a while, so I don't really remember how they either. go. But um, I was talking with my dad today. He's like, "When do you think guys are going to sign?" I was like, "I forget." Like it would be really cool if it was like the NBA
0: where everybody signs in like 48 hours. That'd be the awesome. I, the NBA and the NFL does that too now, where it's like three o'clock yeah. hits 15 contracts. Yeah. But I mean, last year we got our guys. It got hot around Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. And I think I think after the holiday season ish, like it, after Thanksgiving before Christmas, I, I think is the sweet spot. I think we're gonna get some sneaky moves over the next week. Oh no, honest. there's always sneak there's always a sneak or two in there. I think stuff's gonna happen. Hey,
0: I think there's you- a few I think there's a few guys on the market I'm not gonna name names, so I can see them being like, I want to get this over with.
1: Okay, well I I wanted to play a game. I was gonna say, who do you let's just both take a guess who's the first Valuable free agent off the market. I, I'm going to say it, but maybe I shouldn't say it. I don't know
0: if I'm allowed. Like I feel like Jacob Degrom's going to go quick.
1: Ooh, okay. Whether it's here
0: or elsewhere, he just seems like a guy. It's not. It's not going to drag out. I think that's, that's a not fair, his style. I think that's
1: a fair one. I think that's right? super fair. I, I say this with little...
0: absolutely no knowledge of anything at all. Absolutely, have no idea what's going to
1: happen. Nothing. <laughs> I got a really annoying one. Oh. And he's going to be Dansby Swanson re-signing with the Braves like tomorrow, the, within 24 hours. Well, that is interesting because I think those
0: two are a little bit related because the Braves have never had an inclination to go over the tax threshold, ever. No. And they're about one marquee player below the threshold right now. Yeah. So everyone loves talking about Jacob DeGrom to the Atlanta Braves on the internet. is the favorite thing of all of the, the jerks. So, I mean, th- that, that will be interesting if, if that does happen. Because also, the Braves' style, like... That it happen. Kind of
1: doesn't
0: make sense to pay. I mean, Dansby would kind of what happened by now, now. Maybe, yeah. Like that's kind of the way they operate. We sign our own guys true. when you're not even. There. They already re-signed Charlie Morton.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, <Like>, <laughs> saw... during the playoffs. <laughs> that's what I mean. They so, like,
0: and they were allowed to resign Dansby Swanson this whole time. So, like, maybe he's playing hardball. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, the right. way that the way that negotiations gone so far, it doesn't seem very
1: Braves. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean this this free agent. It's gonna be nuts. It's gonna be nuts. The Mets are gonna be heavily involved, I would assume, uh, just because we got a lot of we got a lot of moves to make. We got a schedule. Yeah, a lot of schedule. A lot of a lot of money to spend, a lot of wins to have, and we're gonna be talking about it all off season long with you guys. Hopefully we get some it'd be nice to drop some emergency episodes because we have something big to talk about. Would you not agree?
0: It was a double entendre. It would be nice to drop some emergency episodes.
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely would be nice. And uh, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching wherever you are doing it. Make sure you follow us on all our social media at MetsUp, M-E-T-S-D-U-P, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you can see the YouTube version of this. Vito's working very hard on it. You need to go check that out. All the video content we're dropping. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And follow me at Giraffe Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for waiting one extra day for this episode. We do appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time on the next episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Peace out.
0: Peace out. See you guys next time. Get up. Get, get up. Get up.